Hello everyone, welcome to Radically Loved Radio. I wanted to create a place where people can go to to get inspired, get motivated, or find some clarity and get tools to create a radically loved life. I will do my best to provide information on a variety of subjects, including yoga, holistic health, life coaching, spirituality, meditation, and overall mindful living. Each episode will bring you some of the world's best spiritual leaders, entrepreneurs, yoga teachers, coaches, along with some of my closest friends, and we will talk about their life experiences and journeys to create something more out of their lives and how they continue to grow to make that happen. Hey guys, Rosie here. I just want to say I am so grateful that you're listening. We are just getting a massive amount of response on this podcast, and I am so grateful that you're a part of this radically loved community, that you're enjoying the content and that you're enjoying all the guests and that you're still here and you're still working on yourself and your journey and your path. And I pray that you've received some tools listening to the guests or listening to any of my ideas or topics on meditation or yoga and how these tools can help you create a life of purpose to continue to help us give you the best content, you can subscribe to this podcast. And most of the time you can just do it from your phone, from iTunes, click subscribe and write a review. This really helps us continue this path and this journey. And we love doing it so much. And again, I'm so grateful that you're here. Let us know what you thought. Thanks for listening. One cup of tea is all it's going to take to completely transform your perception of what premium tea should be. For those of you who are tea lovers like me, I'm so excited to announce my partnership with Rishi Tea for this amazing giveaway. Rishi Tea is going to give away an entire matcha essentials kit. All you have to do is go on Instagram, tag me, Rishi Tea, and the hashtag radically loved Rishi for your chance to win an entire matcha essentials tea set which those of you that know me know that this is like the ultimate gift so for those of you that are interested go on instagram now snap a picture of what your tea ritual looks like and get ready to experience the best tea you've ever tried in your life Rishi tea is my ultimate favorite i cannot wait to share this experience with you Sean Stevenson is considered to be one of the most talented nutritionists in the country. His mission is to help you feel great and find fulfillment in your life and do it in the most healthiest way possible. He has a very inspiring story. He's somebody that I've been listening to for a long time. He's so rich with insight and information, and I feel so honored to have had him as a guest on this podcast. For the people that don't know you. Um, Can you just tell us a little bit about your story, your background, and how you got to be where you are? Okay, sure. I'll do the short, short, short version. Um, Yeah, um, my my childhood was very interesting. Um, I grew up the first part of my life up until around age six. Uh, The majority living with my grandmother and it was a very stable place, um, full of love, attention, uh, maybe even too much attention with her letting me eat whatever I wanted to eat. And, um, uh, you know, very great focus on education. 
And I remember, you know, her sitting with me and learning how to, to write and to do my letters. And I just fell in love with it. And, yeah, it was very structured stable place and then from there moving with my and this this is my grandmother's place but my mother's very young when she had me and uh moving with my mother full time uh when I went into third grade uh, I was a big culture shock you know uh, in the inner city a lot of a lot of fights a lot of abuse a lot of violence and this was just what I'm talking about was just within my household not just around me in the community so um you know that's where I grew up in those conditions you know but what's so interesting is that you know studying this stuff for 15 years now, you know, kids up until around that age where I was at when I changed locations uh, were in a lot more of a theta state mentally. You know, your brainwaves are more in a theta state, which is very impressionable. It's kind of like, sort of like a hypnotic trance in a way. You know, you're very, you assimilate so much. And so having those really early years being around such a stable, loving environment really affected me differently than I would see, you know, a younger brother and sister who were there when I moved in with my mother and seeing the difference in our, in our characters today. I love them to, to pieces, um, but they definitely have, uh, they're definitely more hardened and it was more difficult for them to make some adjustments to move beyond our environment in our past. Um, but you know, they're, they're, they're working on it even today. And, um, you know, I'm very proud of them and the and the growth that they've had. But, you know, it's kind of, you know, paving the way and even showing it's possible. So fast forward the story. Um, high school, I'm looking at, you know, my examples for even making it are athletes, entertainment. You know, that's kind of the model that I have. And I don't really have any other examples. Uh, so I'm like, you know, I'm going to play a sport. And I was definitely... Uh, on my way to being, uh, you know, on that track. And, uh, you know, I ran a four five forty 40-yard dash when I was just 15 years old for people who know about, like, the NFL and stuff like that. Basically, this is, like, NFL time for, like, you know, um, running backs and, you know, things <laughs> right. like that. And so things were looking good. But I get diagnosed with this very devastating uh, bone disease, spinal condition called degenerative disc disease, degenerative spinal disease. And so that really sidelines my... Uh, aspirations, you know, and this diagnosis doesn't come until, you know, over a dozen injuries. And I finally get this diagnosis when I'm 20. My world really spiraled uh, downward from there very quickly. Uh, Being in this chronic pain, being in literally the pain was so bad that I was in fear of moving, right? So because I get this sciatic nerve pain and to give people an example, um, you know, if you think about pain on level from 1 to 10 on a scale, 10 being like you cannot tolerate it. You just want to die. I would get this sciatic nerve pain that went to a 10, wow. but it only happened for a split second. It was like half a second, but it was so so harsh and so so painful that it would make me physically jerk back. Like it was the craziest thing. I would just imagine myself how I must have looked, you know, and so. I was very embarrassed, and I tried to make sure that nobody ever saw that. Mm. So I would wait till people left the class. You know, I was in college at the time, uh, fortunately. And um, I would wait till everybody left the class before I leave and that kind of thing. Uh, so, spoiler alert, good news <laughs> happens. You know, the story turns out pretty good. And this was after a couple of years of just trying to figure this stuff out. And, um, you know, I really what it boils down to was 
My physician at the time told me that this was an incurable condition. There was nothing I could do about it, which is negligent, very, very negligent. And I've been talking about this, and I was actually just talking with a wonderful physician yesterday. She knew her killing author, all that good stuff. She's helped tens of thousands of people. And the fact that, you know, our healthcare practitioners, we need more training in uh, compassion, not just empathy, but compassion. Mm -hmm. You know, empathy... There's a difference between sympathy, empathy, and compassion. You know, mm-hmm. sympathy is like, I, I, I feel sorry for you, right? Mm-hmm. Sympathy is I feel sorry for you, which is great because there's an acknowledgement. Empathy is I feel for you, like I feel how you feel. And that is an evolution in thinking and connection. But if two people are feeling terrible and depressed, it's very difficult to find a way out. Yeah. Compassion is a place where I understand how you feel. I acknowledge how you feel, but I don't feel that way. How can I serve you? How can I help make this better? Mm-hmm. Right? So we need more compassion taught in, um, in the medical training because it's a huge tool. You know, a physician's words can literally function as something called a placebo effect or a nocebo effect. You know, a placebo effect is 33% effective across the board on average for clinical trials. Some placebos are even 80% plus effective, you know, some placebo trials for uh, medications related to depression, for example. And it's nothing more than a sugar pill, a sham treatment, because of the power of our minds. And a nocebo effect is when you give somebody a negative injunction, you tell them something bad is going to happen or this can't get better, and you proceed to, to have them to fall to pieces. You know, so that's what could happen to me, and it did. You know, I gained a bunch of weight, um, you know, about you know, 40, 50 pounds and uh, this chronic pain. I was on all these medications. But all of that changed when I woke up and I decided to actually get well. And I don't want people to miss that because most people never do that. It's more like I'll see what happens. I'll give it tr- the old college try. I wish that this would work. But it's very passive, right? When you make a real decision to actually do something, that is the end of the story. There's nothing else except that thing. This is what I decided. Mm-hmm. And so I decided to get well, and I uh, shifted my course of study over to and, um, everything regarding the human body, you know, physiology, anatomy, um, biology, kinesiology, and business. You know, I initially went to school pre-med, then I moved to uh, business slash marketing. And so I still had quite a few classes in that, but then I moved everything over to health. But I got to tell people, like, less than half of a percent of what I know today and, you know, the, the millions of people who've been influenced by my work at this point has come from my university classes. So I want people to understand that. Not to say that college is invaluable or that certain universities and classes are not valuable, just the way that I was taught then. And so, um, but I wanted to get that experience. You know, I thought that, that would help me in my career because once I got better, which I completely reversed the, de- the degeneration uh, my two herniated discs that was causing all the pain that I've been experiencing retracted and healed on their own. And, um, you know, uh, that was really the birthing of my career because I didn't just look like somebody who lost weight. I looked like a person who was radiantly healthy mm-hmm. from somebody who was like a shell of a human being. Mm-hmm. And people asked me, how did I do it and can I help them? And uh, I shifted all my work and my, and my energy in life into finding a way to serve other people who would also receive that that um, diagnosis that this can be done. 
Yeah, I mean, God, you said so much. <laughs> There's so many questions in that, you know, just dialing it back a little bit from the moment where you you said you made a decision and just our ability to make change in our life. And I know you're really big on transformation and making those decisions. So for you, how, I mean, when you work with people now, you know, and, and again, this story, I mean, it's very powerful and you, you healed yourself and you essentially transformed your life and now you're able to work with other people and help them transform that theirs. What do you think the most important thing is that needs to happen in order for us to have that moment of clarity where we need to have that change happen? Well, it's such a great question. You know, um, there's two parts. Um, number one is the reality setting, all right, which I don't really want. I don't like it when I hear somebody tell another human being to be realistic, all right? So I have to make that disclosure, but the reality setting is that for that condition to arise, for somebody to actually put themselves in a place where they make the decision, the reality is most times it's rock bottom. Like things have to be so bad that you're forced to make a choice. And that rock bottom, funny enough, comes in many different forms and fashions. And it can happen multiple times in your life in different areas of your life. But a rock bottom is a great place because, of course, you know, you hear that you can open up from there for sure. But it's an emotional opening, right? This is like a place where you're open to change. And you would think that we'd be more open to change just to have a great life, but we are unknowingly or unconsciously closed-minded and changing from our comforts and changing from our habitual way of being. And that's kind of human nature in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have an, another setting. And so this is outside of the reality com- complex which is how we have the world that we have today. You know, people have gone outside of the comfort zone. They've gone outside of our basic human tendency because we're more evolved creature. You know, we have this prefrontal cortex, this ability to see beyond what is and to create, you know, um, literally out of, out of nothing. You know, we can create this amazing uh, phone or computer out of an idea. Like, this just came from somebody's head. And gathering the resources to do that because, uh, you know, people aren't buying into that. So with the reality setting, I would say to embrace the hard times. You know, when, when you get hit with that bad news or, you know, you find yourself in a bad spot, you have to reverse the, the template on that and to see the great opportunity that's there. You know, so often, though, we're, we're inundated with when these bad things happen, we just kind of stay there. And we wallow in it and we look for pity mm-hmm. um, instead of, you know, really kind of getting back, hitting the reset button and understanding that there's something in this for me. If people are listening to this type of show right now, you already have a tendency towards this choice. And this is one of my favorite quotes of all time. It's from Albert, Albert Einstein. It said that the most important decision that we make fundamentally as human beings is whether we live in a friendly or a hostile universe. And if you can really, and you're, everybody listening is probably already shifted towards it slightly, at least, that we live in a friendly universe that's conspiring for your good. And, but the thing is, even if you don't believe in any of that stuff, you know, and me studying quantum physics and like, what is really going on when we make a decision like this or start talking about things like that? This is still you. It's still your perception because 
you and I could be walking down the street and you have the, the, the universe is against you uh, perspective in life, and I have the universe is for me perspective, and we can see, you know, somebody coming up to us asking us for some kind of a favor or to, to you know, for directions or something. Mm-hmm. And you might automatically think that this is a threat, right? This is somebody who is potentially uh, going to try to rob me or and all this stuff, but not saying that that's not a possibility, but you're going to be looking for problems and you're more likely to find them more often because that's what you're scanning and looking for. And that has to do with your reticular activating system in your brain, reticular cortex. And so for me, it might be, you know, this person is, you know, to show compassion, they're, they're, they're maybe lost, they're trying to find how to get to their child's recital or whatever the case might be. Oh, and come to find out he's actually, um, you know, Oprah's uh, personal assistant or something, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just like seeing it through a more positive perspective, you open yourself up to more positive engagement and positive relationships and interactions. Uh, so I hope all that makes sense. And the point to kind of really put a bow on this, with the reality setting where rock bottom challenges are a great opportunity for us to ask questions, what is this trying to teach me? You know, what is this situation that I'm in or this event, something that occurred to me that nobody's negating the pain or the, the suffering involved, but what is it that I need to learn from this mm-hmm. situation? Mm-hmm. How can I grow? How can this help me to grow? And if we can have in our awareness, just be able to have that there to ask those questions, it immediately changes everything for you. Yeah. So that's that side. And last thing, again, the bow part is the more evolved setting, which is where my work has been. You know, some of the, the great teachers out there is like, how can we get people to change before they hit rock bottom? Like, we, I don't want you to have to go through that. Mm-hmm. Because most people really don't recover, right. you know, because they stay there. So how, what can we do to create a catalyst in your life for you to say yes and for you to make that decision for yourself? Yeah. And ultimately, it comes down to a really simple principle that's often not utilized and I've had times in my life where I get off track in this and then I have to bring myself back to it, which is, why? Why? What, what is the reason that you're doing anything that you're doing in your life? What is the reason that you want to have a great relationship? What is the reason that you want to have this amazing career when you're impacting the lives of you know, millions of people? Is it because of the need to feel your ego? Or is it because you want to make your your children proud? Is it because you want to help, you know, kids in this specific community to have an example of what's possible and to help to end suffering, mm-hmm. you know, uh, or it can be, you know, you know we, we're definitely seeing a climate right now with some very strange, um, civil violence, mm-hmm. you know, maybe your, your mission is to help to improve. And this is for me, I'm tying this in from myself and my personal experience. I know that hurt people hurt people. How can I do my work in a way that uplifts humanity so that we can actually have more healthy, um, sovereign, happy people who are doing um, the work in the communities, you know, civil servants, um, teachers, um, our, our, our fire department, our physicians, our, our police officers, our community itself, so that we're all relating to each other. We can see from a more open perspective. And I'll tell you, it's very difficult to 
to do those things when you don't feel good. You know, so finding a why, that's ultimately the big key. If you can tune in, ask yourself, what is it that I'm doing this for? And be honest, really dig in there and make sure it's not about just you and your little self. That can really help to be a catalyst for change. Mm, That's so well said, Sean. It's so true. Do you think that, I mean, have you ever encountered working with people that really want all those things, but their actions are doing the complete opposite? Of course. (laughs) Of course. I mean, I've seen that so many times, you know, and I've seen this in close proximity, you know. Um, It's a part of my learning process as well, you know, and it's something that I've learned over the years is to let people be who they are. Yeah. You know, um, and also it's all about readiness as well. You know, my job, real talk, nobody can make another person do anything. You can physically force somebody to do something, you know, maybe force them to do a job, you know, force your kids to do stuff. But they're still free inside to think whatever they want. And all they need is an opportunity to get out of it. You know, so what we want to do is create conditions where people can choose these things for themselves, if, if at all possible. You know, so, of course, I would see, you know, somebody's wanting to be successful. And also money is a big, it's a big irritation mm. for people. Yeah. You know, I've seen people come together in, in a positive thing to want to, to help other people. But then, you know, somebody might um, sell a bag of goji berries when somebody else wanted to sell the bag of goji berries <laughs> to someone else and they get into a fight. You know, over something so stupid, you know, it's just like, we're here to help people, not like who's getting the credit for some goji right. berries. And this is actually, I'm kind of paraphrasing a real example of something I've seen, you know. Um, and it's like, what, what is it, what do you really want? What is it, what is this symptom of, yeah. you know, and it's this, it's, it's a sense of lack. It's a sense of lack and not enough. There's not enough to go around. And so... Because of our survival needs, it's, it, we call it an, an amygdala hijack. Like that part of your brain can kick in when you, when you feel your survival needs are being threatened. And you can totally sabotage and mess up your perspectives of having a great relationship. You know, with somebody who can help your career or somebody who can help your, um, you know, your relationship or your finances or your health. You know, I've had people burn bridges with me when we're working with their health because of their survival needs kicking in, you know, and I know this again, I, I know it because I've done it, you know, and this, the thing is quickly getting out, like I lived in it for a couple of years, you know, so I got very good at worrying about things that are not that important, Mm. you know, because especially if you live in this country, in the Western world period, most of your survival needs are, are good, like it's a very small chance. Well, stuff can get tied to that very quickly, you know, that there's still going to be a fear behind it. Like with the goji bear example, it's probably a fear tied, like I'm not going to be able to pay my rent, I'm going to get kicked out in the street, and I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be home. Right. right? It's just like this crazy thing our brains are tied to, and ultimately it's a fear of death. Yeah. Because that's really what it is when it boils down to it, because what are you so afraid of? This person is probably not trying to hurt you, and even in a relationship context, one of the greatest tools if you were with your significant other and there's real love there and you guys have, uh, you know, an argument about something and asking really, is this person with me or are they against me? You know, asking yourself, honestly, is this person actually trying to hurt me? 
And the majority of time, it's a no. It's just a difference in opinion. It's a difference in perspective. You know, but we get so caught up in our survival needs. And not to say, again, there, of course, are bad things. I'm sorry, not so good things, Mm -hmm. negative things that people do and say to each other that are terrible. I grew up in that. I know what that looks like. And so, but most of the time, it's not that. Most of the time, people want to be happy. But what their uh, needs are to fulfill that can can create some interference with each other. Yeah, well, I've also seen so many people that, that are so committed to that state the state of competitiveness or the state of sabotage, you know, where they can do all the things and read all the books and listen to all the podcasts and go work with a coach and, and a teacher and do all the right things, the little, you know, mark off all the check boxes that, you know, I'm doing everything I need for my own self-development and self-transformation, but are still so committed to their story or their narrative or, this idea of lack or still, you know, that fear or of being relevant or the fear of death, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, as you're saying that, I'm thinking about, I mean, the, the reality is it's always going to be, um, how do I best put this? It's always going to be an individual case by case basis mm-hmm. of what it is for the person. Yeah. For But one of the, things that I see consistently, one of the major things is, and this is, you're trying to think of the best way to say this as well, when people are doing that kind of, you know, all of that work, they're, you know, they're buying the courses, they're hiring coaches, they're they're listening to the empowering information, but they still find a way to self-sabotage. And I don't really like getting on this word because it's become part of popular culture, but the ego Mm -hmm. is really an issue, you know, and and the reason that this, I don't like to say this word or talk about this right now is because it's sort of like with cortisol. Like cortisol has been made to be this terrible thing that's causing people to uh, have an inability to lose weight. This is causing me to have so much stress. It's, it's, it's cortisol broke up with my boyfriend. It's all of this stuff that cortisol gets blamed for. But cortisol is actually really, really important. Yeah. It's just the balance. It's whether or not it's getting overproduced, underproduced, or produced at the wrong time, right? It has its place and its value, immensely value. It's important for your thyroid to work. So with the ego, an ego is healthy. Like it's a health, well, it can be. It's a healthy part of our, um, our, our beingness as a human, right? We have to have a perception, a reality of who we are and who we want to be in the world. You know, this character that we want to be, and we can literally create that. The problem is most of the time, it's getting created unconsciously as an influence from your environment. And so you never really choose who you want to be and how you want to see things. Mm-hmm. It's called, um, it's kind of cultural programming, mm. right? So um, I just talked with this brilliant guy, his name is Dr. Mario Martinez, about how culture literally determines your health. It literally influences your genetics, your culture does, the programming. And so, with that said, with the ego being something we can utilize and use, but we have to be aware of it. We have to be aware that we are not that. We are not just this thing, this entity that is kind of the perception that we see things through. What's the seer, right? What, what, what is actually seeing through this 
these are the eyes of this ego that we've chosen. And so understanding that we are so much bigger than that, you know, we're so much more vast and so much more valuable. Um, and so we get caught up in the ego and what the ego does. And so in the context of what we're talking about, we're doing all this work, we're making connections and then we self-sabotage. It's because the ego starts to do things like think that it's better than somebody. It starts to think that, you know what? I should be that person doing that thing, not this person. You know, they're not as good as me. Or um, I, the ego says, I'm not getting the, the, the credit and the appreciation for what I do. Mm-hmm. You know, it starts getting caught up. We start getting caught up in self-sabotaging because we worry about little small stuff, these little stupid negative things. And we waste our energy on that instead of literally shifting that. And so I think that something that's helpful to get people over that is, and again, this is a thing that's become very popular today. I've been talking about for at least 10 years, but gratitude, you know, being able to appreciate those things, especially when it's hard to. That's something you probably don't hear people talking about, especially when it's hard, especially when, you know, you feel like your business partner is taking you for granted. You know, they're a good person. They love you. They're, they've been helping you and to grow yourself. And you're like, your life is totally different and better than it used to be. But now, you know, like you're the one with the big boy, big girl pants on and you see them as a, a problem and a threat instead of just shift over and have that gratitude. Not saying that you guys even belong together, you know, but that helps you to see the options and it helps you keep moving forward because that negativity, because that jealousy or envy, or hatred, that energy, that energy literally drains you, and it makes you make stupid decisions. So, I mean, there's some really basic tools, you know, being aware of your ego, being aware of your desire to be right, and being aware of the ability to choose gratitude, even when people seemingly do you wrong, and asking those empowering questions I talked about earlier. You know, what is it that I need to learn from this situation? Mm-hmm. How is this here to help me to grow? And take that and keep moving forward instead of getting caught up in the trauma. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that it's such an important tool to be able to, I mean, to, to, use, the, to use it systematically in, in the way that you said, I think is definitely key to try and remove obstacles or get over hurdles or getting getting through times that are really tough. I, I like what you said about having gratitude even in the moments where it's like the worst, right? Because I think we've all experienced those moments where you're really just not having a good time and you start to then perpetuate into this this stream of negativity and you can have somebody in your in your environment try and get you out of it or be supportive and help you, but you're still so committed to that downward spiral. You know, this is just kind of going back to what I'm saying when people are addicted to that realm of suffering, you know? So for you, Sean, what, how do you, what's your advice you give to people that are wanting, that are needing a little bit more of that perspective change to focus more on gratitude and, and, any any way or is there any tool in specific that you you give them um you know clinically again it was really just a person by person basis you know um we all have our little things we all have our 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 barriers in our in our minds uh especially when it comes to 
changing somebody's health, right? Mm-hmm. Changing somebody's body physically because we have this residual self-image. Mm-hmm. And everything, your number one driving force psychologically uh, of, of your human psyche is to stay congruent with the ideas that you carry about yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, so the ideas that you carry, everything in your life is set up. You, you unconsciously act in a way, think in a way that stays congruent with who you think you are. So the key is, you know, first of all, awareness trumps everything. You have to first be aware of that. Like, oh, yeah, the things that I'm doing is because I, this is who I believe I am. This is what I believe I deserve. And so uh, kind of a tool to help to chip away with that, to be free of that, is to just analyze your thoughts about what you think you deserve and to be honest with yourself. Self-honesty, oh, my God. Mm. That's one of the hardest things, you know. It's one of the most difficult things. Uh, being honest about who you are and who you've been yeah. and also what you want. I think it's one of the most difficult things to, to be honest about what you want, yeah. you know, because we we automatically go to what's possible. But what's possible just based on your definition of who you are, again, thinking room with who you are. And that's not the person that you want to be or what your potential is. So, you know, being honest again about, you know, I have this, belief that, you know, I'm unlovable, Mm -hmm. right? You actually look at that, that, you know, nobody's really going to want to um, stay with me because of whatever Blake's saying. And and to be honest about the belief and to be honest about, is this actually true? And if you have this idea that you're unlovable, I promise you it's not true. Unless you're Kanye West, maybe, (laughs) I don't know. But um, even Kanye's got love. Kanye needs love too, you know? (laughs) And so it's just that idea, of course, and there are, there are like literally millions of people who love him, yeah. you know, but it's just giving that example. But really when we, when we break that down and we start to be honest with ourselves, because we'll prop that up and why we'll use that is we're hoping to get some empathy, you know, some empathy slash sympathy love because, oh, woe is me. And that's not healthy. That creates a vicious negative cycle. So that's what I would usually recommend people do or work with them on. I help them to identify some of these disempowering beliefs and really do a logical assessment. Yeah. Like we're, we're going to analyze this um, and we're just going to use this very scientific part of your brain and analyze if it's true or not. You know, we could even run some tests and see, you know, but um, the bottom line is just opening yourself up and being honest about who you believe yourself to be who you've been historically and, 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 and who you want to be, right? And also uh, being honest about what you want because in order for you to get to that other phase or, you know, to become the best version of yourself, you have to be honest about what that looks mm-hmm. like for you. Not for somebody else, but being honest about what that looks like. And from there, charting a course, you know, because if this is who you want to be and your beliefs say, I'm unlovable, or I, I, I'm lazy, or whatever it might be that's, this, that's going to inhibit you from getting to here, we have to look at that behavior and make a decision to input another behavior. Basically, take out that program, program put something else in. Yeah. Oh, I, you're 100% right. I think that, I, I mean, I talk about this on the podcast. You know, one of the reasons why I feel like we're so unhappy, even just in our society, is because we lack honest self-appraisal you know there's there's a huge lack of honest self-appraisal and and I think that 
mostly it's because we don't like to do things that are uncomfortable because we, you know, we don't want to move out of our comfort zone. Why do you think people make the same mistakes? Oh, my goodness. Um, That's really simple, actually. Um, Again, this goes back to that statement that the number one driving force of the human psyche is to stay congruent with the ideas you carry of yourself. You're going to continue to make the same mistakes over and over again because, again, that's who you believe yourself to be, the person who makes that mistake. And so as the person is repeating this behavior, it's just like, why me? Why does this keep happening to me? We're further anchoring that behavior in because your brain, your reticular cortex, your reticular activating system, are scanning your environment, scanning all the data that you've accumulated in your life to find out why you keep making the same mistake and bringing those things more to your consciousness of why you're such a screw-up, right, of, or why you uh, deserve to have this happen, right? So, again, it's shifting. It's, it's literally as simple, and I, I'm, I'm thinking of right now a conversation I had with, um, he co-authored The One Thing, mm-hmm. you know, this mega-hit book, The One Thing, his name is Jay Papazan, and it was basically this a centering question, Right, this kind of um, the question that everything is is based around in your life, and that at least in that phase or that that part of your life. But we have to get back to asking these empowering questions or whatever that might be for you. Um, so when the thing happens, instead of saying, "Why does this always happen to me?" Asking, "What is it that I need to do to move beyond the situation? I've seen this happen before. What is this trying to teach me?" And the second part, here's the other part really that answers your question is, once you get that data, you have to be willing to actually make the change. Mm -hmm. So willingness is like a core ingredient. So we've got the empowering question, which most people are missing that in and of itself when we live in a perpetual disaster zone in our minds. So we get that empowering question and changing our frame of reference, but we have to be willing to make the change. And that willingness, one of the reasons we might have a reservation against that willingness is we think that it's going to be hard, you know? And the thing is, it's probably equally as challenging as dealing with the, the garbage that you've been dealing with. You know, so you got a choice. You can either put the energy into this change, you can put the energy into doing, going through this drama again. Yeah. You know, so it's going to happen either way. Time's going to pass either way. You know, but you get to determine what this next time, this this time span is going to look like for you based on your decision. You know, so that willingness that it might be hard or difficult, which oftentimes is not as hard as we think. Um, but the willingness to say yes to the, the, the new empowered way of being when it shows up, um, I think it's a... Definitely, it's part and parcel to getting the the results that we want in our lives. Yeah, those are some really, really important probing questions that you are posing. I think that they're key to us beginning to find those ways where we can really begin to see substantial change in our lives. Um, How do you, in, in the work that you do with the people that you work with and all the the knowledge and the education that you're putting out there in the world, how do you stay grounded? <laughs> uh, I, I have a wife 
I mean, that's pretty much all I have to say. <laughs> I mean, I have a wife, and I love her more than anything. I'm obsessed with her. Uh, you know, we've been together for 13 years, uh, going on 14 years oh, wow. now. And we're actually coming up on our 10-year anniversary. But I'm obsessed with her. Like, I feel like I just met her. But it didn't used to be like this, you know, again, like all of this. And there's an episode of my show, actually, where we, you know, she's actually on the show. And we talk about these keys to having a relationship yeah. um, that that's really worthy of you. Um, but, I mean, she, oh, my goodness. I mean, she's my greatest supporter and greatest cheerleader. You know, like, she's the one, like, celebrating going nuts. Yeah. Like, if, you know, like... Um, let me think of something that happened recently. Uh, Dave Ramsey. I don't know if you know about Dave Ramsey, but he's like the money guy. Oh, yes. right? I think he's like, you know, like all the, these different yeah, books yeah. and all this kind of stuff. And um, so their camp reached out about, you know, I guess, you know, he read the book or something, you know, my, my book. Yeah. Um, but, you know, basically just to, to connect, to support, to, you know, introduce me to their audience. And she's just like, she flips out about that kind of stuff. Like, you see, you're the best. And, you know, it's so positive. But then today, I'm in Missouri, uh-huh. right? Uh, we live in uh, Wildwood, Missouri. It's like basically close to St. Louis. And it's been raining, like, for three days straight. Just rain. Like, you don't, we don't really usually see this. And so there's all these roads that are closed. Uh, like, there's even a highway, like a major highway, like eight, I'm sorry, 10-lane highway closed because of water rising up on the highway. And so people are taking this, the back way, which is right by our house. Like, we're kind of, like, tucked off in, the, in a little nook here. But to get to where we need to go, there's, like, a little main two-lane street. And people are going from the highway to there. Like, all of those high, the highway traffic is coming through. So I was taking my little son, my youngest son, who's five years old, to school this morning. And a trip that would normally take 15 minutes took 50 minutes. And so I finally get back home. And, you know, I'm just like, I'm ready to eat. You know, I'm probably a little bit hangry, yeah. you know. <laughs> and, and, and my whole, my plan for the morning was a little bit off. And I'm just like, well, you know, I was kind of like, you know, why isn't the food ready? But I asked her before I got there, you know, before she can make me something, you know. And I'm, I make her stuff, too. I actually make her stuff every day. So it's not like, get in there and cook that meal, woman. It's not that. I'm not like that. But I was like, why isn't this stuff ready? You know, I've got to be going such and such. And she's like, and I was like, you know, I was in this traffic or whatever, you know, can, you know, just be understanding. She was like, but did you die? Right? And so she just immediately checks my ego with this, but did you die? Uh, response and I actually posted. I didn't post that on on Instagram, but I posted a "Did you, but did you die?" Uh, meme today it, because of her. People won't know that I didn't post that with it. But, oh, that's um, the one you know, with the, so the guy she, from she The Hangover, right? The Mr. Chow. Yes, <laughs> exactly. You know, people that complaining they're sore all the time. But did you die? <laughs> so yeah, that's 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 what keeps me grounded. You know, that and just um, I, I think it's through, through a process and a practice over the years of really understanding my value, which takes a lot of work. I mean, it really takes a lot of work. Unless you're, like, kind of uh, indoctrinated with this as you grow, which I really encourage parents to do to really help to imbue that that sense of value into their children, which I didn't have um, to a large degree. But, again, I had it early on, and it stayed with me. But understanding my value 
and understanding this perspective, which is there <laughs> recently, you know, um, they got the, um, the photos back from, uh, you know, light years out, you know, the, the telescope, I don't know if it's the Hubble or which one it was, but, you know, they finally get the images back and they found like, there's like a hundred billion more galaxies. You know what I'm saying? We are infinitely unimportant. But at the same time, we are infinitely important to the whole thing. Like, we are part of this. We don't go anywhere. Even when we, our physical bodies are gone, like, it turns into something else that stays here forever. You know, like, it's so powerful and understanding, like, we are so infinitely unimportant. But at the same time, we can be the most important person in the universe for somebody. Mm. Right? Yeah. For my five-year-old son, I'm the most important person in his life. That's how important I am. I am the greatest thing in the universe to him. Mm. You know? So that's how powerful we are, but it's balanced. You know? And I just really, one day I was, I was actually um, meditating and it just, it just hit me. Just like, I'm so unimportant, you know? Which is such a gift. It's kind of freeing. Yeah. But at the same time, I have so much value and it's my opportunity here to express that. Yeah. So I think that that's what it is for me. And that kept me grounded. It's just, it's having this balanced perspective. Mm. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that very personal story. <laughs> I loved that. This is one of my favorite questions to ask uh, my guests. And, and lately it's mostly because of perspective and, and just to kind of see where we are in our own path and our, wisdom spectrum so as you are right now sean what advice would you give your 15 year old self my 15 or 16 one five one five okay uh see with a question like this <laughs> um it's tough because it's sort of like, I don't know if you watch any superhero Of course I do. Like, <laughs> all right. <laughs> or the TV shows, but like Flash, The Flash, right? I had to stop watching that show. We were kind of like, we were really digging it. But he kept screwing up the timeline, yeah. right? He keeps creating all these different realities because he went back and changed something. So for me, it would be tough because I would not want to change a single thing about where I am today. Uh, and life is not perfect, but I appreciate my life and I appreciate who I've, who I've become. Uh, so I wouldn't change anything. I would just say, if anything, um, I wouldn't want to be the person to say it, but actually something did happen. It's just so crazy. And I don't know if I, I don't think I've ever shared this before. Uh, I said it to my wife and I remember when we, you know, we were out in this neck of the woods, but. Uh, it was shortly thereafter. It was my first year of college. You know, I was 17 years old, um, slash 18, just turning, excuse me, 18. And um, I was um, working at this, I was working at a hotel, <laughs> like a front desk, whatever, um, which was a big responsibility. It's like, I can't believe a guy gave me this job because basically I was the manager of this front desk. It's like a legit little hotel, you know. And um, I remember that this couple checked in 
And, you know, I've seen all kinds of people, had all kinds of conversations and just serving people, helping people to, you know, get get a sense of comfort in their in their in their place and in, in, in the space. And this woman, and I it's just so weird that I thought about this yesterday. And I only thought about it one other time and I told my wife because she was with me. But she she looked at me and she she told me that she doesn't know what it is and she's never said anything like this to anybody before, but she feels compelled to tell me that I'm gonna do something very special in this life. I'm going to do something very remarkable. And at the time, of course, I'm like, ah, this crazy lady. But also at the same time, there was something in me that felt like she knows. Like, mm. yeah, I am. I am. I'm just like, I'm in transition right now. Like, this is part of my story. And so I would have that lady not me, go back and tell my 15-year-old self that I'm going to do something really special in life and to just keep moving forward. Mm, that's really good. <laughs> okay, okay. Here's, here's the next one. What would your 60-year-old self tell you now? 60-year-old. 60-year-old Sean. Okay, so 60 years old. Um, I just interviewed Morris Chestnut, who's like, this Hollywood celebrity, you know, he's been in all these iconic movies. And, um, you know, we were just hanging out and, you know, it's for their book launch. I was actually there with him. And first of all, like, he's about to be 50, right? And people see him and how shredded he is, just healthy and just such a on-point, smart, sharp person. Like, 60 is, like, in my opinion, that's like the new 30. Yeah. All right? So... That six-year-old me would uh, probably tell me um, to keep thinking bigger, mm. to think bigger than you ever have before. Uh, I think that that's something that we all run into, but um, me specifically because of, you know, just all the things that I've been through. And I've really had to, I've really had to overcome a lot of, a lot of things to get to this place and to um, really probably work work harder and smarter than, you know, most people who would be in a similar position right now. But I just feel that it's because um, it's, such, it's just a greater blessing to be able to connect with people and to share the experience, you know, because I can relate to people on so many different levels. And people can kind of pick that up from me, you know, even in my voice and, and, and hearing from me, I feel, in, in my heart. And so that's something that I... I like to even write in my journal if I can remember, like, just something I want to make, like, a mantra for me is, you know, to think bigger than I ever have, mm. you know, because we limit ourselves so much, and there are so many amazing things that are already taking place in this world, but there are also so many amazing things that have not been done, said, created yet, and I want to be a part of that. Mm. And so that's what I think that uh, I would tell myself. Oh, that's beautiful. I always love hearing that because it's always across the board – pretty much the same type the same type of advice and I always just find it so beautiful to give ourselves that advice without of course folding into the space-time continuum right <laughs> we don't want to start right. like <laughs> messing with anything yeah. okay so the final question uh Sean is I created Radically Loved as a forum to uh provide information or tools for living in regard to 
all types of different modalities, be it yoga, meditation, health, fitness, your career, um, pretty much across the board. It's this idea that we are all connected and we are all radically loved by God, universe, source, whatever higher power of your understanding that we are supported and the universe is conspiring for us, not against us. So the final questions to you are, what do you radically love and how do you feel radically loved? Oh my goodness. Wow. Um, I'll just share, I guess, what came up for me. Um, the first thing that came into my mind was, and I, I, it's kind of scary to even say this, and but other people would think that this is normal, but my kids, mm-hmm. um, definitely, because, and why it would be it's scary, because just working on myself and I have this higher perspective, like, our suffering really comes from attachment, mm. you know, um, and our greatest attachment tends to be to our children. And we have to understand that they have their own sovereign spirits and their own sovereign uh, entities that they are going to choose and, and do the things that they're wanting to do with their own lives. Um, but for me, it's because I think that it's more of a conscious attachment. You know, like I've made the decision, like, I know you're going to hurt me, but I'm going to still love you and uh, love you 100% no matter what. It doesn't mean I'm going to, um, you know, allow you or agree with everything that you do or even, you know, support you in poor decisions, you know, and let you fall and figure things out. But I will never stop loving you. Mm. And... But, and I think the thing is, like, when I say that with conscious attachment, it's really, um, I think it's so valuable because it really allows you to feel, you know, because as you work on yourself and you get, you know, chasing this enlightenment, you can become very unattached and not be able to really feel intimately, um, you know, happiness, suffering, whatever the case might be, or you're chasing something else. So that attachment really, it's another thing that keeps me grounded. So for me, I radically love my, my children. Uh, how do I feel radically loved? I was given my grandmother. That's what comes up for me. Um, I think I really hit the lottery in being born um, and, and having that opportunity to, to be with her. And you know, she showed me, she gave me this tool that is what other people are experiencing today who who know me or who are impacted by my being. She gave me this experience of what unconditional love is. You know, she really made me feel like I was seen. She made me feel like I mattered. And that stayed with me through all of the, the suffering and the pain and uh uh, the fighting and the, the tough times that I was in, it was always there. Um, so that's that's what I would say is that's how I know I'm radically loved is I was giving her. Mm. Sean, thank you so much. That was so beautiful. 
and heartfelt. I'm just like sitting here like, oh, wow. I think that's probably one of my most favorite answers I've heard to date. So thank you for that. Um, For people listening at the moment, uh, where can they find you? Where can they go for more information? Where can they connect with you? Sure. Uh, um, So people can find me wherever they're listening to your podcast. (laughs) They can find my show as well. Uh, It's called The Model Health Show. So that's The Model Health Show. And very, very honored to say, um, you know, it's been featured the number one health show in the U.S. many, many times and also other countries as well. Um, And, you know, it's just an incredible community of people. um, And it's just really a it's my greatest passion as far as my my work. You know, I'm very, very, very passionate about creating these master classes, you know, and we we get into every subject matter really related to health and, and well-being. So we might do a master class on anything ranging from, you know, reversing type 2 diabetes to general, um, you know, reversing, um, you know, body fat, obesity, heart disease, all these kind of chronic illnesses, but also bringing on, and well, about 50% of my shows are pure content for me in these master classes, but also bringing on the best people in the world in their field. So I just talked with uh, Dr. John Gray, who wrote Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. To talk about relationships, you know, and to how to ha- how to have a healthy relationship with yourself and your significant other as well, you know. So uh, people can check that out. I'm sure that if they just click play on one show, they'll they'll be a part of uh, our family. So um, that's really where people can find out more information about me and, and what we're doing. And also online is themodelhealthshow.com. And um, all my social media stuff is there and we got videos of the episodes you know you can hang out in the studio with us and we of course have a good time too so uh, that's it that will be that will be what people can do oh that's so great and we'll definitely link all of those links on the show notes so people that are listening to this can just click on the show notes and go straight to those links and if you're not subscribed to the model health show yet please do so it's filled with so much incredible information and knowledge and insight and i feel like we didn't even scratch the surface (laughs) with you on this i mean it's just time is so limited and i can totally talk to you for hours on end just asking you more questions about all of these different subjects but sean i want to thank you so much for being a part of now the radically loved community and for everything that you're doing in the world you truly are making and creating remarkable things so thank you so much thank you i received that thank you thank you thank (laughs) you so much i appreciate that so much thanks for being on the show sean please come and be on again hey everyone i hope you enjoyed this episode i am so excited to continue to do this please share this with your friends email us Message us on Instagram at Rosie Acosta or on Twitter at Rosie Acosta. Subscribe on iTunes. Write a review. We love doing this, so please help us continue to keep this podcast going. Thanks for listening.